I'm Tavi Black. And I'm Christine Young. And this is The Personal Element. Where we listen to an essay we love and then discuss what makes it so good. This episode, we're talking about Mikhail Weiner's Barefoot Angels, originally published in Medium. If I could make this go right, I'd go home. Then all I'd ever learned would fade away. Like a photograph, a word in a mouth. The sound of her voice fills the room, accompanied by folky guitar finger-picking. We're like barefoot angels that glow in the dark, sing it hard, sing it hard, sing it lonely. Her voice trails off, and now the guitar is left alone, filling the room with stardust and visions. I'm mesmerized and, frankly, a little stoned. But regardless of the weed-induced lethargy creeping in my muscles, I can't stop staring at this woman who is casting a spell on everyone present, seemingly without too much effort, just by being herself. There are ten or so of us sprawled on floors and couches in this humid Tel Aviv apartment. The air oozes in the gaping windows, hot like a breath. My shirt is sticking to my skin. The room smells like stale beer and joints. The girl with the guitar is still singing, and I close my eyes. I take a breath. Later, on the ride home, I'll look around at these new friends and wonder, is this what belonging feels like? Just a car full of people getting lost together. Our first kiss was equal parts intention and hallucination. The girl with the guitar invited me over to help her with homework, since we were taking the same poetry class. I didn't even know her that well, but she'd been a presence in my head since that first night. I may have taken the time to choose my clothes carefully before catching the bus to her place. When I got there, her whole room was a mattress on the floor surrounded by piles of clothes. We did our assignment, read a few more poems, laughed. Then, all at once, it was there, a presence, something palpable in the air. We stopped talking, waited for it to pass, backs to the wall, holding hands. I kissed her, and she kissed me back. We're lying in bed, the lights are off, and I'm almost asleep. I don't have a fan, and it's hot, so we've left the wooden shutters open to let in the heavy night air. The girl with the guitar and I have been secretly dating for a while now, and tonight she snuck over to my place, late. You know something? She says, her voice warm with sleep. I think maybe I might kind of love you. Caught off guard, I open my eyes, but all I see is the dark room and the streetlight glowing yellow through the open window. She hasn't ever said anything remotely close to this before. I've been trying to play it cool for months. Not very well, I think, but still. I'm terrified of scaring her off. My heart seems to be in my ears, somehow. Okay, I answer. That's it? The sheets rustle as she rolls over, surprised. I mean, I think maybe I sort of love you, too. Now I'm just trying to keep up. Hopefully this is the right answer. She grins, snuggles closer. I think you more than sort of love me. I snuggle closer, too. The city swirls around us, and we lay completely still, dreaming together. 
You're like a word on the tip of my tongue, and suddenly I remember your sound. Just one year after I admitted to the girl with the guitar that maybe, probably, I may be out of my mind in love with her, I'm singing to her on the navy blue corduroy couch in the apartment we now share. We inherited the couch from the previous tenants. We have an upright piano and two guitars. We sing each other songs and work hard and sweat and cook for each other with the cheap veggies from the local market. We look at each other in wonder. We also fight. She won't kiss me in public. I get it, but I'm still frustrated. Israel is the kind of place where strangers offer their advice and opinions, unsolicited, with passion. And being gay is a major declaration that will definitely bring unwanted attention, not in a good way. Still in the painful process of peeling back the last layers of skin I had grown in my years of pretending, this refusal feels like an affront to all the effort is taking me to come out. I haven't had a conversation that wasn't a fight with my parents in months. They still refuse to visit us in our apartment, and she has only met them once. My ex-boyfriend thinks I'm possessed. Having discovered my true diabolical nature, he severed all ties and took all of our mutual friends with him. I broke my ties with my religion, stopped working in education, barely visit my friends in Jerusalem. I'm exiled here in Tel Aviv, with her by my side. The least she can do is hold my hand at the bus stop. I know now that she was silently peeling back layers as well. Everything I was doing outwardly in screams and tears, she was doing in silence. I was still learning that the rush of waves inside of her is hushed but powerful. She was coming out slowly, poking one toe at a time out of the closet, testing the air. One night, in that sweat-drenched apartment, she stays up all night writing a song on our piano. You can see it in my eyes, my dear. The weight has tired me. She sings the next morning. Our mugs of iced coffee sweat circles on the piano bench. I wonder if our relationship can hold water. We love each other fiercely, but maybe we met too soon. One friend tells me that if I'm so miserable, I should just call it quits. Maybe because I'm stubborn. Maybe because we more than sort of love each other. Maybe because somewhere in my gut I know that this is worth blood, sweat, and tears. We decide to stick it out. I am her first and only serious lady, and she is mine. All of my previous explorations were drunk, disastrous, and fraught with the terror of actually taking the plunge. Hours of conversations with myself about the idea of actually dating a woman had a very clear conclusion. This idea is a non-starter. Too many nights I ended up plastered, barefoot and filthy, weeping on a friend's shoulder, makeup running down my cheeks. Snot and salt and puffy eyes and shame. The more I tried to like men, the more I failed, the more I drank. I shrugged it off. Everyone drinks too much in their 20s. Everyone's hiding something. We've been living together for a few months when the girl with the guitar decides to move to Boston to go to Berkeley College of Music. I don't even know what Berkeley is, but I know I'm going. We audition, and she receives a hefty scholarship. I receive admission, and that's it. The jealousy nearly tears us apart. For the next few months, my arguments with my mother and father turn from skirmishes to full-blown warfare. They think that this is a terrible idea, 
and they make their point vividly. I have no money and no plan, and all I'm doing is following this woman they think I shouldn't be dating. In response, I spend six months finding money in various places and enroll in my first semester at Berkeley. I buy a ticket to Boston. I find an apartment. Never mind that I can only afford that first semester. These things will figure themselves out. Two years after we moved to Boston, the girl with the guitar writes me a love song. My love keeps her sleep beneath her eyes and wakes slowly as the sunrise. Angels rest beneath her wings. Our bedroom in Boston is flooded with sunlight and looks out onto autumn leaves and a rainbow of New England houses. She is shaking me awake and seems to be asking me something. My eyes, still blurry and heavy with sleep, squint open and I see a box in her hands. Wait, wait, wait. All at once I'm awake, upright, holding her hands in my hands, and she's putting a ring on my finger and the room is full of love and disbelief and once more the wonder that comes with us wherever we go. The ring is inscribed with Hebrew words that read, El asher tilchi elech, wherever you go, I will go. On an overcast day in mid-May, we stand under a canopy crocheted by my great-grandmother and receive seven blessings from our family and friends. By the banks of the Charles River, we stand, overcome with too many emotions, surrounded by our community, and declare our intentions to love each other with respect and compassion for as long as the earth will let us. Each set of parents reads our marriage contract aloud, once in Hebrew, once in English, and two of our dearest friends sign it into Jewish law. Let it be known that our souls have become entwined in love and mutual devotion, and that we intend to live a life full of passion and curiosity, a life of wonder and thankfulness. Then we're dancing and dancing and dancing until our legs are weak with joy and the whole world is spinning. We let the spinning claim us, falling into the colors and the music and the love. So much love. Well, Christine, what I really like about this essay is how great she is at setting scenes for us. She starts out the essay with this really great artist party, something that I know I'm longing for and that seems so far away. Yeah, I had the same reaction to it that I really loved some of the images that she set up. Like in the beginning, she talks about how the guitar is left alone, filling the room with stardust and visions. And I felt like that was such a beautiful way to kind of encapsulate that feeling of being at an artist party where where musicians are playing live. Definitely. I mean, she says she's mesmerized and frankly, a little stoned. And I really get a feeling that I'm in there in that room with her, with the other artists. And then you realize it's Tel Aviv and you're thinking, I don't know anything about Tel Aviv. Tell me about this place. Yeah, I loved the setting in that it's not a place where I've ever been or traveled to and I'm curious about. So it was fun to kind of get to learn a little bit about it through through her writing. And I think that she does this very well, this setting throughout the whole piece, even at the end where we're suddenly in Boston and she sets this great scene of the wedding 
with family and friends by the banks of the Charles River. And for us, setting it in Boston, a place we're both really familiar with, it sort of bookends this. Here's Tel Aviv, this place that we've just learned a little bit about, and we've moved over into Boston, a place we're very familiar with, and we can feel that Charles River being on the banks there. Hmm. And going back to the her images, some other ones that I really liked was the air oozes in the gaping windows, hot like a breath, which to me felt like a very fresh way of describing being hot, um, something that we've all experienced. She's really great at images. Something as simple as our mugs of iced coffee sweat circles on the piano bench. I also had that one highlighted. <laughs> She was coming out slowly, poking one toe at a time out of the closet, testing the air. What a great way to say that. She's talking about her girlfriend not being quite confident to allow herself to be gay in this Tel Aviv society. I love how the essay changed from discussing the beginning of a relationship to then deepening to talk about, you know, bigger issues like coming out of the closet in in Tel Aviv, which apparently is not very gay friendly. I think that's a really good point, Christine, because even though this essay is just about two people and their relationship, how they fall in love, they're not sure at first, they end up getting married, it really is a deeper conversation because they're gay Mm -hmm. and it's not okay where they're from. There was also this line, is this what belonging feels like? Just a car full of people getting lost together. And I felt like that was another point of deepening for her. I'm assuming from lines like this that she's pretty young, because to to me, that was a feeling like I had in my 20s of trying to find this belonging. Yeah, you can tell that she's young there, and that's a good clue. And then we find out that they're going to go to college. They're going to move all the way to the US, to Boston, and they're gonna go to college together. And I found that really interesting that they both happened to get into the Burke College of Music, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to get into. And one of them gets a scholarship, one of them doesn't. But even getting into Berkeley is really impressive. Yeah, and I love that line where she says the jealousy almost tore us apart because I am I'm married to a creative person as well. And he's having a lot of success with his creative work. And while I'm super supportive and pleased beyond belief that that is happening, part of me is also a little bit jealous. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was kind of nice to see that, that other people are experiencing that too. Well, that's just a natural thing to feel. My husband does a little bit of writing too. And the first grant he applied for, he got. So yeah, <laughs> I know what that feels like. <laughs> One other thing oh. that I wanted to bring up was the author's use of maybe she uses she uses maybe a lot in the essay things like I think maybe I might kind of love you and then there's another place yeah maybe because we're more more than sort of love each other she comes back to that mm-hmm. yeah and there's a few other places where she does that and to me that kind of spoke to that beginning phase of a relationship where there is a lot of maybe, like when you don't really know if it's going to last or not, or if you love them or not. And, and I felt like that was a, a nice literary way of expressing that. Yeah. And one of the other things that I really noted about this essay is that it really ends in joy. 
we're dancing, we're dancing, our legs are weak with joy and the whole world is spinning. We don't often get a lot of joy in some of the writing that we love, which I think maybe we could use a little more joy in our lives. Yeah, and and then also, you know, this is a specific time being we're still in the pandemic. And so I feel like I, we've lost a lot of joy. We haven't been able to go to concerts or go to weddings or do lots of things that bring us joy. So it is really nice to at least experience it on the page. Yeah, it's refreshing. I know most of my writing tends to be looking more at the trauma of life and there's some mm. joy in it, but not it doesn't always end this way in my work. And I really admire that in this essay. Well, thanks again to Mikael Weiner for sharing this essay with us. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. To learn more about this podcast, visit us online at personalelementpodcast.com. There you'll find links to the essays we discuss, information on how to follow us on social media, and more. And so you'll never miss an episode, please subscribe to the podcast in whatever podcast app you use. Thank you. Thank you.